no one sells anything. And, you know, most of my career, that was the case. The only time that I saw substantive selling was 2017. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics on a Tuesday, as it is once again time for our weekly physical silver report with Andy Sheckman of Miles Franklin. A lot happening in the world and plenty to dig into, of course, following last week's Fed meeting and seeing rising interest rates, amongst other things in the U.S., as pressure continues to add a couple days away from potentially a government shutdown and a whole lot more. So, Andy, it's great to have you in here again, as always, to dig into the things that are going on. And how are you today, my friend? I'm good, brother. It's always good to be back with you, Chris. And uh, you're right. Things are things are rapidly moving and changing. So um, always good to chat about it with you. Sure. Well, uh, to start off, let us dig into the silver market, which, again, a little bit of a tough start to the week, as yesterday we saw one of those rather infamous price declines uh, as it dropped right off a cliff down 40 cents, bringing us a little bit lower, uh, down 17 cents in the futures today at 23.21. Curious, anything that you're seeing in the silver world and of course, uh, anything that has changed perhaps with premium or noticeable order flow or customer reactions? You know, no, I, it's 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 been the same thing for the last several weeks in terms of kind of status quo. We've bottomed out, I think, not only in the price or pretty darn close to it, but also in the premiums. The availability is still really, really good. And I find it completely and totally counterintuitive. Um, you know, you're 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 seeing such massive acquisition by the biggest money in the world. And, you know, Vince did a great show for you uh i watched it last night um and his explanation of why silver hasn't taken off i found to be refreshing and i found it to be spot on and he's right i mean i've said for a very long time that the people accumulating the silver at the top are using the the suppression of the price on the western markets in order to accumulate it and and vince's take was similar to that and that prices won't rise until all of the silver has been accumulated, that they are maintaining this environment specifically so that they can pick the pockets of those people who are short-sighted and impatient. You know, there's an old saying about poker that I think you could apply to the silver market, and that is that poker is the systematic distribution of wealth from the impatient to the patient. And I think you have to have strong fingertips in this case, Chris. And, and you know, look, he made another point that a lot of people are talking about. And it starts with gold, but we'll transition to silver. And that is that the difference in price in China, in Shanghai, where gold is trading at about a 5% premium uh, in, in Shanghai to the London and New York price, the same thing is going to happen with silver. And as he pointed out, look, you know, as long as people are stupid enough to part with silver at these prices, the big money, the cartel will maintain them in an effort to accumulate it. And once that price is rendered as ridiculous to uh, to the people who are foolish enough to sell it as it is to us, as it is to the people accumulating it, things will change. But no, uh, I, I think that 
really, um, this is as good of an opportunity to to accumulate metal as we've seen since 2019. And it's not changing. There's one other thing to, to throw into this mix. And I want people to think of the tier one revision of gold, um, where the Bank of International Settlements reclassified gold as the world's only other tier one reserve asset. And you see the central banks using the Western suppression accumulate more gold over the last 18 months than they have ever in the history of central banking. What, what is interesting about that, and I think you can transition to silver, because remember, gold and silver have a 90% correlation nearly throughout all of history in terms of their movement. It may not be perfectly symmetrical. Typically, gold goes first, and then silver in a percentage basis goes further. But understand this, for the very first time in 45 years, the, the treasury market are no longer the safest alternative. In fact, for the first time in 45 years, U.S. treasuries are now have a, now have a higher downside volatility than gold for the first time in 45 years. And it's just by a little bit. But understand that since the end of World War II, U.S. dollars and U.S. treasuries were tier one. In 2019, the BIS reclassified gold in that manner. As if, it's, if it is... Um, non-encumbered, if it is physically held. And it's interesting to see things start to roll as you see shifting dynamics, I think, of, of, of capital moving away from the equity market and the fixed income holdings. And I think you're seeing people look to precious metals as and commodities and hard assets as a go-to. And this is going to have some serious effects as things continue to play out if we continue to see um a bond market with such great volatility and you know before we started you talked about the the fed meeting well exactly you know look at the 10-year treasury up to nearly four and a half percent so it's getting crazy chris and at the same time i just read a report i know you asked a question i'm kind of dancing around all of it i apologize but i just read a report there you go four and a half percent on the 10-year treasury it's crazy and you know, I just read a report just yesterday, last night, that silver is disappearing, and it's estimated by 2028, the the Earth will have primarily run out of at least economically mineable silver reserves. That's coming from a branch of the U.S. government, um, the Geological Survey Committee, or whatever their name is, but you got the branch of the U.S. government saying that by 2028 to 2030, we are very cl close to exhausting the the economically viable um, mineable resources. And, and that's because it's found very near the surface in a form called epithermal. Like your skin is epidermis. The big deposits were found, found long time ago. They're saying Mexico will lead the charge in that. Uh, Mexico and Peru, traditionally the biggest silver uh, miners in the world. They're running out of silver. The world is running out of silver at the same time it is being massively accumulated by the big money and the trolls out there saying, oh, bullshit, I can find it. It's cheap. It's everywhere. It's really a weird situation. And it's almost schizophrenic. And, um, you know, I guess the power of the word, the power of, of, of the media, um, rhetoric, and price, they are misdirecting the public to such a massive degree as the biggest money in the world is pickpocketing what is left either above ground or in the ground. And this is a trend that I think 
again, we can use the term logarithmic decay, little by little by little by little, then bang, people wake up and say, where the hell is all the silver? And guess who's going to have it all? The central banks, the commercial banks, the producers, all of it. And uh, I think everyone should listen to what Vince had to say last night. It was, uh, it was, it was a really great explanation of, um, or he didn't say it last night. He said it a few days ago on your show, but it was a great explanation of what's going on with silver. He has my respect and uh, I think people should check it out. Yeah. Well, that's certainly something we talk about plenty on the show where you have the declining inventories and, at the same time, we've seen these reports. That was the U.S. Geological Survey that showed, I believe it was six years of reserves left in Mexico. Now, to be clear, that is reserves which are proven reserves of silver. And obviously, there's still exploration and there's resources. So other things that can be converted into reserves. Yet, one of the things that has slowed that down is that you have a silver cost of production that's pretty close to the price and the silver mining industry has gotten clobbered pretty thoroughly over the past year and a half, as people know. So there's not really a lot of money coming in there to fund new projects, which, especially if the governments continue to stick towards these green mandates, leaves a rather murky picture of where all that silver is going to come from. So certainly something that we keep an eye on and will continue to do so. Um, but Andy, uh, something you mentioned in there, have, have we seen or have you seen rather any gold and silver sellers in this time period? Is it, what's the ratio of buyers? No, no, no one sells anything. And, you know, most of my career, that was the case. The only time that I saw substantive selling was 2017. Um, and that was when Bitcoin took off and gold languished and people hadn't quite grasped what was going on. We hadn't seen, uh, gold be revalued tier one. We hadn't seen the central banks repatriate their gold. We hadn't seen the rise of the BRICS and the Belt Road Initiative and the things that were um, making people reevaluate their stance on gold. And no, we really don't see much in the way of selling whatsoever. I think that there is a good, the people who are holding gold right now and silver right now, by and large, are strong hands, as strong as they can possibly be. They have weathered the storm of volatility they have weathered the storm of counterintuitive rhetoric and they've listened to people like yourself who have explained eloquently the fundamentals the rationale and you know what it what the market has done to to your question to your point what you're hedging at is that the mainstream has no idea and they've done a good job of keeping the mainstream disinterested. But by this point, if you've been holding gold and silver for the last several years, or as long as I have, or as long as you have, you understand what's happening. And if you are paying attention to what's happening on a geopolitical scale, um, it becomes easier to trust your gut and to have strong fingertips. And so, no, we see very little in the way of selling. Um, if anything, we see people trading gold to silver, if you want to call that selling gold. But we don't see anything in the way of people selling gold and silver, very, very little anyway, and repositioning into other asset classes, perhaps to use it for things they've planned. Uh, other than that, no, it is a very, very, very small part of the industry right now. And 
and rightfully so. I mean, this is the time it should be accumulated at a time when risks around globally, um, geopolitically, economically have never been more important. And quite to the contrary, I, I sometimes wonder what the hell the mainstream is thinking. And then I say, well, you know, they have done a pretty damn good job of suppressing the reasons to own it, to making it very difficult to see from the mainstream. And if you don't spend time looking at alternative media sources like yourself, most people would walk right by it and wouldn't see it. And, and that's by design. And by the time people wake up uh, to the reason to own gold and silver, not only will the majority of it all be have been gobbled up by from the top on down, but just like we saw in Tanzania this last week, they have started to buy their local gold to bolster its foreign reserves. So you're going to see nationalization on a lot of on a lot of levels. And when you talk about sovereign mints like Canada, Australia, UK, um, Austria, um, and and South Africa, these mints are going to start taking care of their own at some point. Everyone always talks about nationalization of the mines. I think you'll see nationalization of the mints at some point, especially in a dollar crisis. And, uh, you know, at some point you have to reel things in and, and, you know, take care of your own. And I think there are a lot of people out there that would like the United States to do that on a broader scale. I'm not talking about their mining and their minting as much as I'm talking about our aspirations of being the global police officer. And it would be better, in my opinion, to um, bring everyone home, close all of our gazillion military bases, stop meddling in people's affairs, and protect our borders. You watch on Fox News, every morning I get up early, around six in the morning, and I, and I read and I do preparation for the day and see my daughter off to school and i watch fox news in the background and it's actually gut-wrenching to see what's going on at the southern border and you know i i think that there are a lot of people who would like to see us be more mindful of nationalization not of assets but of protecting this country and i think you'll see that globally uh, at some point where it's not just protecting your borders, but it's protecting your national national resources um, and and reining things in. So, yeah, um, no one's selling a damn thing. And there will come a time when the people who 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 instead of not selling, just haven't noticed anything because of the counterintuitive behavior of metals, because of the poor rhetoric it's done more to, to not influence the public than it has to influence the hard money people who get it, that small pimple on the elephant's ass who actually get it, they're past the point of being knocked off the tree. They get it and they're hanging on for all their life because they're afraid. And that's why they say there's no bull market like a metals bull market, Chris, because it's the only one in the world where the higher the price goes or the crazier the world gets only reinforces your conviction and your resolve. So by now, the people that are hanging on, they're not going anywhere. It would take a hurricane to knock them off with greased, with greased branches. But the only way you're going to knock them off, but uh, what it has done more than anything is keep the public away from opening their eyes to what's happening and ways to protect themselves. Alrighty. And I'm guessing based on what you said there that 
uh, I won't get you riled up with U.S. announcing two billion dollar loan for Poland to spend on military. Yes, I can't wait to talk about that. It seems like uh, things escalating in that area. Uh, real quick, before we dig into the Fed, I'm assuming based on what you said that premium levels pretty much the same as in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, um, they've even crept down maybe five, ten cents an ounce. So they're just look. Business is, is relatively brisk. It's um, you know a lot of the a lot of the uh, companies loaded up on product after March and April the banking problems, and a, and a lot and when you buy these products, oftentimes you'll buy them months in advance. So the the market is flush with product. The premiums are as low as I've seen them um, in in four years. And yet I'm waiting for that switch to flip. And I say that with 100% sincerity. And, you know, um, I really do believe you will see the shoe drop. At what, at what point? Don't know. But I am convinced that it will happen. It will center around a bank failure that's bailed in. And, you know, people, people forget that bail-ins were written into law in 08. Uh, 09 after the financial crisis and the Dodd-Frank Act. But what's interesting that a lot of people aren't talking about, you know, we've seen $1 trillion move into the money market accounts, $1 trillion. And at the same time they implemented bail-in legislation, they implemented money market gating, which is just what it sounds like. If the shit hits the fan and everyone tries to yank their money out of the system, you will be gated in a large majority of the money markets, not all of them, but certainly the prime money markets. And, um, you know, it's, it's a situation where it will just take some event. And I think it will center around the banks and a bank being bailed in to wake people up. And premium is a function not only of production, turning a blank piece of gold or silver into a coin putting it into a tube and new boxes and shipping it out and the cost associated with running the mint and whatnot. But for the past three years, premium has been a function of demand. And while we've seen an increase in demand from the majority of my career this year, which is even better than last year, which I thought was impossible, the market kind of, or the industry geared up for it, but not to what we expect. And I guess that's why there's a lot of product at very fair premiums and but one event, one event, and I know it's coming in my soul. I know it's coming in the banks. And that's when you'll see things change at the blink of an eye. Well, along those lines, obviously, we had the Fed meeting last week where more hawkish, perhaps, than people expected. Continue to hear Jerome Powell say that rate hikes aren't done, which I suppose is somewhat expected with, with us now seeing Inflation readings tick back up again. Interesting comment today. Jamie Dimon was out warning. Not sure if the world is prepared for 7%. Interesting comment. He's talking about how the pain from 5 to 7% is going to be much more than 3 to 5%. I don't know if he's suggesting we're actually going to get to 7%, but at the same time, we see bankruptcy filings already at levels we saw in 2008 and 2020. So not not yeah. an ideal environment. We're seeing rates rising on the U.S. Treasury market, and also something that K 
came out yesterday. As I mentioned, we have the potential of U.S. government shutdown and Moody's, the last rating agency that still has their highest rating on U.S. government debt, now warning that government shutdown bad for the country's credit. So thoughts on what is happening on the rate side? Rates will continue to go higher, whether it be um, well, there's a myriad of factors that could push rates higher, but I do believe you will continue to see rates go higher. Um, and 7%, I don't think is out of the question. In fact, I think it's the only way to even begin to address inflation. You have to push the rate of, of, of return commensurate with the rate of, of inflation or higher, or you'll never address it. So in any case, yeah, I think Jamie's right. Uh, and I think the market is not prepared for it. The strain that we've seen at these levels, it will cripple the banks. It will create a recession, a massive recession, if not depression, where all of the the, the public, the corporations, the, the individuals, uh, even the government has been incentivized into taking on more debt than they otherwise should have. And the maintenance of debt as rates continue to rise, when you go from zero to 7% and or, or to five and a half or wherever, you know, you're talking about in whichever instrument you're talking about, like the, the three month treasury from 0.06 to over 5% in the span of a year, you are going to put some strain on the system that you incentivize to take on copious amounts of debt at the lowest interest rates in, in human history and to raise them as rapidly as you have, even if they haven't gone high enough to really deal with inflation. Um, you're going to create some cracks. You push it up further and further and further. And this is what begets the banking crisis, where all of these banks begin to implode. And all it takes is one to implode and bail in the way the law says. And the public will wake up. Here's a test for all of you out there that know what bail-ins are. Spend today asking two people if they know what a bail-in is. And I guarantee you, you will find the majority of the people that you ask or, or if they're honest with themselves, have no idea what a bail-in is. And wait until they see what that means when everything over the FDIC limit is, is used to bail in the bank. It's gone. I don't care if it's a business with $5 million in operating capital. You're going to get back $250,000 and the rest is gone. Wait and see the panic that ensues then. Uh, and watch what happens to interest rates as everyone runs to the bank to get their money out put it directly into treasuries or into hard assets or whatever the hell they do, the act of doing that will force these banks to, to sell their assets that are right now not marked to market, that are unrealized. The act of doing that not only pillages and plunders the bank into insolvency, but it pushes interest rates up even higher as they're forced to sell those, those toxic bonds. This act of selling them pushes rates up higher in the secondary market. And when we talk about the government shutdown, you know, look at it this way. When the last time this happened and Janet Yellen said, if we don't raise the debt ceiling, we will default. She admitting, she admitted in essence that we're running a Ponzi scheme. And she warned of economic chaos if, if Congress didn't raise the debt ceiling and that the U.S. could default on its debt in a matter of weeks if they didn't raise the debt ceiling. Economic calamity. That's a Ponzi scheme. What she should have said is, if we don't raise the debt ceiling, we're going to need to cut Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, and entitlements. We're going to have to stop sending money to the Ukraine. You want to hear something pathetic? 
Let me tell you something completely pathetic. Here's something pathetic. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Here it is right here. Really um, about this one. It says, just in, the United States will pay Ukrainian salaries, but furlough American citizens in the impending government shutdown. If Congress fails to pass a spending plan, the U.S. government will shut down at the end of the month, but will continue to fund salaries in the Ukraine. But what about federal employees in America? According to Newsweek, they will be furloughed. Yes, your tax dollars will be used to fund Ukrainian salaries while American citizens are forced to wait for their pay while the government replay remains closed. And how about this one? 60 Minutes, the other day, discovered that the U.S. is financing more than the weapons in the Ukraine. The government is buying seeds and fertilizer for farmers, paying the salaries of 57,000 first responders and subsidizing small businesses, also paying the salaries and pensions of bureaucrats. All the while, Hawaii gets 700 bucks and East Palestine got squat. And small businesses and regional banks in this country are being eaten alive. How about finance our first responders? or the small businesses in our own country. Take a look at San Francisco, Chicago, Philadelphia, New York. How about our southern border? We're being invaded daily and America's falling apart, the seams, but we're sending billions to the Ukraine. And if we shut the fucking country down, we're gonna continue to pay them. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cuss, but it's so infuriating to me. And you know what's even worse than all of this? And this is, this is from Rand Paul as a reminder, there has been zero with a Z auditing of aid money to the ukraine since the war started zero and the white house and the senate majority have aggressively refused to allow oversight by an independent auditor of how the money is spent and who's getting it i mean it's just pathetic it's so upside down it's absolutely pathetic and i want you all to think about that just as our first shipment of m1 abrams tanks have arrived to the ukraine so you know, it's, um, you couldn't draw it up any better. You look what's happening around this country. Uh, businesses just like Rite Aid going bankrupt because they, they can't keep their stores open because they get stolen from so much. When, when businesses like uh, Whole Foods leave San Francisco, the biggest hotel in San Francisco walks away and gives the keys to the bank. The malls are shutting. Look what happened was happening in all of our inner cities. And, and there's no funding being given there. Where's the relief? Where's the aid for all of these people coming in? And yet we're giving it to 57,000 people uh, and paying salaries and pensions for the Ukrainian first responders and government. I mean, you just couldn't draw up any more pathetic idiocy than what we see. And this is why I keep coming back to the fact, I mean, is it intended? Are we trying to destroy the way the United States is viewed? Are we trying to destroy the world reserve status? Are we trying to destroy everything wonderful about this country? This administration is treasonous in my opinion. And this is a prime example as our cities are dying and our look at the poor border agents trying to deal with thousands and thousands and thousands. These people coming in every day, 24 hours a day. And yet we're giving money to other part of the world we should have nothing to do with instead of taking care of our own shame on them just shame on them and it's it's very dis it's 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 disconcerting as a father 
as an American, it's just horrible. And I hope, I hope, I hope people can set aside their political ideology here and just realize that what is happening to this country is just a shame and it's wrong and there will be consequences to pay for it. Yeah, and I think we're starting to see some of the consequences because again, when you have the higher interest rates at the same time, the deficits are, I mean, there was that article a couple of weeks ago showing from the Washington Post showing how normally when you have the deficit soaring, we're already in recession. Here is a supposedly strong economy and looks like it's going to come in just around $2 trillion this year. So I know people have heard about a lot of the things we've talked about for a long time and say, all right, well, when does this happen? Although I think there's a, a manner of thinking that we're seeing it happen now and the higher interest rates are what brings that out, as is traditionally the case. And Can I interrupt one moment? I apologize, because your, your commentary is always great. I mean, you're so smart in the way you connect the dots. Um, and you're right. And the higher interest rates are what bring it out. But after years of the lowest interest rates suppressed by the Fed ever and throwing all of this money on top of it, incentivizing everyone to go out and spend and borrow, the party will go on forever. And, and not only that, having all of these banks go out with, with zero in the way of reserves, they were told they didn't need them. Go out and put all of your, your assets that you have to back your deposit liabilities against into treasuries. And the majority of those banks, I don't know, 60, 70, 80% employed no interest rate hedging. So you have all of these banks with unrealized losses that amount to, I don't know, some people, the Fed will say 600 billion, other people say 2 trillion. Whatever the number, real number is, these unrealized losses, the higher the rates go, and the more downgrades we see by Moody's and S&P, um, the worst this is going to get and just wait till the first one goes and is bailed in and people realize that's the crazy thing is that people have no idea what's coming down the pike and it's like the table is set everyone's in debt more so than ever trillion in credit card debt 17 trillion in household debt lowest level of savings 65% paycheck to paycheck 45% over 100 grand paycheck to paycheck no unity in this country and bang watch what happens when the table is set and um, I just hope people wake up. I hope, I hope you and I connect with one person on this video today that can go out and help another person and open your eyes. And this isn't about selling gold and silver. This isn't about being a capitalist. This is about being a patriot and things are changing. And, and if you don't see it, if you only look at the numbers or the price and don't lift up the hood and see what's happening underneath and see that there's a, a decrepit squirrel with one tooth running on a wheel after a, a carrot to run the car. Um, doesn't even know his name or who he's married to. Uh, I, I will simply tell you that you're missing the big picture. And it will be one of these things where you'll look back on and say, oh, I can't believe I didn't realize. I mean, look at all those one, two, three, four, all little by little by little by and then bang, you get slapped in the face by a realization and you have no way to protect yourself. So this is this is my appeal to people that, um, you know, yeah, I own a business that sells precious metals, but you can try and run a business and be proud of it and still care about um, have good intentions. And I think that's why I get up and I do this every single day. I do these interviews. I have four today and 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 three tomorrow 
I mean, and I, I'll do 15 this week. And then I'm going to Las Vegas to speak. And it's like, why do it if, if people don't get it? Because I hope just one person gets it. And I get emails every day, people thanking me for changing just a little bit of their lives. And, and you know, um, Chris, I wish we weren't such a minority because it all makes so much sense to me. And I know it does to you too. And there will come a time when people will thank you for, for you know, helping their family uh, avert disaster and i don't mean to sound dramatic but it's if you don't see the acceleration of what's happening it, it it's it's um it, that moment that everyone seems to want to see where silver and gold take off yeah it's coming just be careful what you wish for i hear you and uh, of course that leaves aside we won't dig into the bricks today where we have a large portion of the world also that is concerned about these same issues and is turning more overtly to gold as a solution. But um, obviously there's the silver implications in there as well. So, uh, I mean, we, we've even seen that here in the U.S. with some of the states doing resolutions for gold and silver and uh, Congressman getting himself in trouble, accepting some gold. <laughs> that was crazy. Two gold Back kilo up. bars. Uh, see, seeing it everywhere in some sense. So Andy, before we wrap up anything on special this week for people who are looking to purchase some metals. Yeah. You know, I, I um, mentioned to you, we were doing gold this week, but we will also continue to do those five ounce bars for your listeners. I think they were, I think they were a dollar 99 over spot. I hope I'm right. And those were for the five ounce Nordic mint bars. We just had ISO approval on them. So they are now IRA approved, which means they're the highest quality bars, basically, as far as, uh, as far as IRA regulations go, they have to be. And we're doing two gold specials this week as well. We're doing the one tenth ounce gold Eagle, any quantity, $39.99 over melt. And then we're also doing something I haven't seen in a long time. And, and I, we have 3000 of the most wonderful condition old king george sovereigns they're the old ones and uh, they're the more sought after ones and they are 0 0.2354 0.2354 almost a quarter of an ounce of gold and interestingly enough I mean, you go back to like um the korean war the vietnam war maybe world war ii i think and all of the fighter pilots would have a couple british sovereigns in their flight pack in case god forbid they were ever shot down it's one of the most widely um recognize gold coins in the world they go all the way back to i want to say the 1500s maybe 1600s somewhere in that neighborhood uh these that we have will be the early 1900s but um they're 49.99 over melt and a really good way to buy fractional gold coins um very 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 popular so look like i say for the last few weeks everything's on sale whatever you're adding right now you're not buying an investment in gold and silver. You are just moving from currency to real money that the biggest money, most sophisticated money, the most well-informed money on the planet, the central banks, the commercial banks, the sovereign wealth funds, they have been copiously accumulating for the last several years using the suppression of the Western markets to run cover. So do as they do, not as they say, not as your financial advisor says, but what the big smart money who's always two, three steps ahead of the crowd is doing, let's buy some gold and silver. So anyways, uh, two gold specials, 
Sovereigns at $49.99 over, uh, 10-ounce Eagles at $39.99 over, and then the 5-ounce Nordic Mint Bars at uh, $1.99 over per ounce. And uh, that's it for this week. Well, and you can find out more about that at Arcadia at milesfranklin.com. Certainly, if you have questions about any things that we're talking about on the show or gold and silver in general, always happy to get back to people about those as well. So, Andy, appreciate you making some time. I guess you got a lot of interviews lined up for the week. So, seems like you have plenty to say this week as well with everything that's going on. Yeah. You know, I love that about you. Thank you for letting me go, man. I I really do appreciate it. And that's why I love coming on with you. Besides, you're my brother. I just, I love coming on because you're good at what you do. You let people talk. And and then when I shut up, your questions are second to none. And and I mean that. So thank you, bottom of my heart. And uh, I look forward to picking up where we left off real soon. All right. Well, we'll see what happens and catch up again next Tuesday. And uh, look forward to doing it then. See you, bro. Well, thank you, Andy, as always, for this week's report. Great to get an update on the latest on the premium levels, as well as the dynamics that are going on in the financial markets. Obviously, the Fed meeting was the big one in the last week, and we continue to see rising interest rates amidst pressure on the government with the deficits and now the potential of government shutdown. And interesting to see Moody's, the last rating agency that has yet to downgrade U.S. debt, to put out a warning on the potential consequences if there is a government shutdown this week, which we'll find out about soon enough. So either case, going to wrap up for today, but did want to pass along an update from BlackRock Silver, who kindly brought us today's show. BlackRock did get the results back from their recent drilling program at their Silver Cloud project, where they did a follow-up after getting grades of 70 grams per ton gold, 600 grams per ton silver, in their 2022 drilling program, which indicated that the vein structure showed a shallower dip than originally thought, which meant the drill holes were not in the optimum location for that westerly dip. It did encounter gold and silver mineralization in drill holes SBC 23, 25, and 26, which were 25 and 100 meter step outs north of what they found last year. Although while the strike and dip of the vein is better understood, the orientation of the high-grade gold and silver mineralization at this point is not. And a comment here from Andrew Pollard, who is the CEO of BlackRock Silver, mentions that while they have a good understanding of the strike and the orientation of the structure, they have not yet been able to replicate the grades that they found in last year's results. Although a review of the geochemical data is underway to pinpoint where the high-grade system is localized. Here you can see the table of the full drill results, which you can pause and take a closer look at. Link to this press release also in the description field below, with the two highlights being that drill hole 25 encountered the vein at 271 meters down hole and returned 1.22 meters, creating at 2.15 grams per ton gold, and drill hole 26, where the core hole encountered the banded vein at 41 meters and returned up to 2.24 grams per ton gold. And one other note that they did mention was that they are on track for the mineral resource update for the Tonopah West project, which is scheduled for October of this year. So should have the results for that in just a couple of weeks. And you can find out more about BlackRock Silver at blackrocksilver.com. And with that said, going to wrap up for today. Hope you're having a great day out there and I'll see you again tomorrow.